This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. Episode 170. I'm James L. Rubart, but you can call me Jim. And I'm Susan May Warren, and you can call me Susie. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr., but you can call me Mr. Umstead. <laughs> okay, I love it. <laughs> Thomas, we're getting a little loopy at the end of the year here, aren't we? Okay. Well, guys, in this episode, we're going to talk to you about the critical mindset you need to have going into the new year so that you can have your best year ever in 2019. And to help us out with that, we have back for the second time. It's only the second time we've had you on in five years, Susie, something wrong with that, but you are back. I know we we need to fix that. I am. I'm back. Yay. I'm back. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Susan May Warren is a USA Today bestselling author. She's a Christie Award winner. So we have two Christie Award winners on the show today. She's also won basically all of the other awards uh, for one or another of her 60 plus novels. 60. The interesting thing is that she also runs a business on the side and she has four children that she raised while she was writing. And the whole, how do you get it all done question is what we are going to pry out of her today with the Novel Marketing Crowbar. So Susie, welcome to the Novel Marketing Show. Thanks for having me, guys. It's so great to be back. It's I just love talking with you guys. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And for those of you who have read my book, The Long Journey to Jake Palmer, and have said, well, oh, that person sure reminds me of somebody, the person called Susie in the book, it is based on Susie Warren. That is her. So <laughs> in, in case you're wondering. <laughs> I love that version of me. I I, I just aspire to be that, that version. So it's, it's good. I've got sort of like a, a model I can follow. It's fabulous. She's much nicer than I am. Oh, I disagree. So Susie, uh, a lot of authors are looking back on 2018 uh, and they're looking forward to 2019. And uh, I want to, you know, a lot of them wished that they got more done, right? Like I definitely feel this way. Like I wish I had gotten more done. What are some of the things that hold authors back? Uh, What are some of the biggest challenges uh, that we faced? You know, I actually, after, um, you know, I've been in the industry now for 16 years and I used to, you know, when I first started, I was so eager and so excited about, you know, doing the right thing and and following the trends and what's going to get sold. And after many, many years, I stopped, I I started to realize that my biggest obstacle, frankly, this can sound crazy, was worry. I was always worried about, well, what if I do it wrong? What if I don't have the book at the right time at the right place? What if I don't do the right marketing? What if I don't get the reviews I need? You know, all of these kind of things. And and what happens is when worry gets into your head, it can it can eat away at your creativity. It can eat away at your time. It can make help you or it could cause you to make bad decisions about what you're going to write or what marketing you're going to do. It could cause you to spend money that you don't need to spend. And so what happens is that we when we have worry as our, it's almost like worry is our companion telling us that we're doing things wrong, then invariably we listen to that worry and we stop listening to things like our heart and our joy and what we love to do. Um, our, our people around us that say, hey, you don't have time for this, or maybe this isn't such a great idea. Um, we stop listening to our budget and we say, well, I'm just going to you know, spend money to make money, which is true, but there's some you know, wisdom in that as well in terms of saving money. And, and we really really stop listening to our hearts in terms of 
well, what does our heart say that we should do? And, and I know that sounds a little nuts, but I feel like there's some balance out there where we have to say, if I'm doing things, and we can kind of get into this a little bit, but if I'm following my joy and I'm using my time wisely and I'm minimizing distractions and I'm utilizing the platforms on social media and advertising that fit me and my personality, then those things are the things that are going to get the best return on investment. And so, so, and, and the fact is, is that it's all going to work out. It really is. And so we just have to do the very best we can with the tools that we have. And we have to stop worrying about how much market share we have and where we're ranking in the, in, you know, in our author rankings and what our reviews are going to be. And, and when we can do that, then I think that there's a lot of peace on the journey. Wow, that is really powerful, Susie. Um, I'm reading a book right now, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules of Life. And one of the things he talks about in there is do not compare yourself to others, compare yourself to yourself. So if you're improving, way to go. If you're comparing yourself to somebody else, you can say, oh, I'm not improving at all, or I'm so far away from that ideal. And it seems like you're saying that, that you need to look at yourself and say, what fits me? What do I need? What path do I need to follow rather than following all these trends that are coming at us all the time? Yeah, absolutely. And I know it sounds like crazy advice because you're, you're like, well, it's, 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 what is marketing? Well, it's looking at the things that work and the things that don't work and, you know, you know, trying all of these things, but we fail often to factor in our own personalities and our own abilities. Right. And we say, you know, we say, well, we better do that thing. Well, what if we're not good at that thing? And what if we hate, you know, like, for example, Pinterest, I am not a Pinterest person. I, I like Pinterest, but I cannot put pins up to save my life. And I really hate all of the stuff that goes with Pinterest. Interest. So it's much better, easier for me to put up a Facebook post or put up an Instagram or, you know, even, and I'm not even a Twitter person, you know, so, you know, putting that out there is a little bit challenging. So, you know, or, but it's easy, super easy for me to whip out a newsletter and just make it short and cute and fun. And I send it out to my subscribers. So that's good marketing because it comes from me and my joy and what I love to do. And because it's easy for me, I'm much more apt to do that on a regular basis and that will bear its own fruit. So yes, compare yourself to yourself and what you're good at. And yes, you can always learn, but factor it in to what you are good at and stop worrying about what you don't get done. Hmm, that's so good. All right, Susie, let me shift gears on you just for a second and talk about time management because I've known you for a long time. You're a great wife. You're a great mom to your four kids. You're a scuba diver. You're a dancer. You're a skydiver. You manage to write, you know, 20 books a year plus run your teaching companies. How do you do it? Talk to us a little bit about time management. How do you accomplish all that stuff without cloning yourself? <laughs> well, to some extent, I follow what I just previously said, where I, I follow my joy, and I'll get to that in a second, and I, and I do part out the things I'm not good at. So I, I have, over the course of, year, of many years, realized that I'm good at some things and I'm not good at other things, and so that's the one thing I first do is I take off my plate the things I'm not good at, and I have other people do that. Second thing is, and, and I and I am getting to the answer, the specific answer to your question, but the second thing is is that I'm I'm really into the essentials. So what do you have to get done for your life to move forward? You know, you have to eat, you have to have a clean house, you have to have clean clothes, you have to parent your children, you know, you have to have a relationship with your husband, you have to have some friends. You know, these sorts of things are important in your life. So you do need to make margin in your life 
to have those things. And so then you have to say, well, what else can I do? You know, what are the other pieces of my life that that I need to accomplish? Writing, marketing, you know, running my business, creating my classes, that sort of thing. And I've and what I have done is I've said, okay, what you know, I've taken my life and I've said, what are my working hours that I'm going to work? What are my what I call time blocks. And I've taken my my life, so to speak, and I've put it into time blocks. And so I'll have three or four blocks uh, in, well, I usually have about five blocks a day, actually. I have two in the morning, two in the afternoon, and one in the evening. And I fill those time blocks with all sorts of different things. I might have a marketing time block. I might have three or four writing time blocks through the week. I might have a friends and family time block. I might have a personal time block, but what happens is that I give myself a nice chunk of time to to do that one thing, and I'm not a multitasker. I can't do many things well. I have to do one thing well at a time. I can do all seven things. I just can't do them all at once, right? So when I'm writing, I've you know I've got two hours or three hours to write. That's my writing time, and I don't do anything else. I don't look at social media. I don't put up Facebook, you know post, whatever. I don't even talk on the phone. If you call me during that time, you're going to get a message because that is my writing block. But then my next block might be a marketing block or it might be a phone call block or whatever it is. And and if I have family events going on, I put those in. And so I make sure that I have those blocks as well. And what happens is that I can get stuff done in its time, you know, and so and I plan this out at the beginning of every week. And it allows me to to show up for that time block with my assigned task, do the task, then walk away from it and do the next task. And, and instead of having it all mushed together, I have, I have, I'm a bit, I have able to sort of say, okay, my time block for writing, it happens over here in this chair and my time block for blogging happens over here in my office and, and this sort of thing too. So I kind of actually create spaces for that. But what happens is it allows my brain to shift into the right gear for the right activity and to be fully present in that activity. And I think that's one of the keys to being uh, uh, effective in your time is to be fully present in the time that you're in. So don't, you know, even when I'm talking on the phone, I don't, I'm not looking at my phone and looking, scrolling through Instagram or something. I'm fully engaged in that conversation because I've allotted myself that time to talk to that person because they're important to me. So I would encourage people to try to be fully present and let yourself have those time blocks. You'll find you get tons done because you're fully present. And then you've also walked, you know, it's guilt free. There's no other activities happening. And so when, you know, you're, you're at your kid's football game, you're fully present at that football game. I used to do things like write <laughs> during halftime. Seriously, I would write, <laughs> I'd go to a basketball game, I'd write, you know, during periods or write, you know, whatever. And I realized I was not enjoying my life. It's like when people go to a concert and they try to videotape the whole concert. And so the whole time they're watching the, the concert through their tiny cell phone. And it's like, that's stupid. You just paid a hundred bucks for your ticket. Put down your cell phone, get a couple snaps of you while you're there and then enjoy the concert for Pete's sakes. And so, so that's kind of my philosophy is be fully present, carve out time for them. I call them time blocks or power blocks. And then, and then I create reasonable space and reasonable goals to be able to get that stuff done. And then I protect that space. You know, they say women are like spaghetti and men are like waffles. It sounds like you've got a little waffle on us. <laughs> I did. I do. Because I found that as well, as much as I do like the spaghetti moments, and I do am spaghetti-ish, I do find that I don't get as much done because I'll have about six half-finished projects and that doesn't 
accomplish things. I'd rather have two projects that get all the way finished and then I can do the other four throughout the course of the week. So yes, I have become waffleized in my, in my <laughs> age. So nice. <laughs> yeah. Do you find that there there are probably people out there right now saying, I'm not sure this might work, might not work. Did it take you a while to get used to that? It did. Um, I think the biggest thing is that my it's it's hard to train your mind not to be distracted. So, so that's part of it is that I, you know, it's like, and so what you can do is you can make smaller time blocks. So like, for example, let's say you do a 45 minute time block and you're just like, I'm all in for 45 minutes and I need a 15 minute break. And I used to do that too, especially when I'm writing, I'll need to get up and I'll walk around, I'll go feed the dog, I'll take a little walk, whatever. And and that helps break up my time. And frankly, it does when you're writing, it does allow you to have more creativity that comes in because it's, it's sort of like you're, you're crunching down into the writing time. But then when you walk away from it, all these other thoughts kind of enter your head. And then if you give them time to sort of develop and you can come back and crunch it down into the writing time again. So, so one idea would be to create, you know how people say, oh, set a timer for 10 minutes and clean your house for 10 minutes. Sure. I've done that too, where I'm like, okay, you've got for the next 20 minutes, you're cleaning your house and you're just doing the upstairs or whatever. So then I'll just do that. And then I'm, I'm all in for 20 minutes and then I go back to do something else. So, so if you need to make smaller time blocks, give yourself a little break in between, and then maybe you do a similar time block right after that, but it's, but now you've given yourself a break. Okay. Susie, let me shift gears on you for a moment. Unless Thomas, you had something you wanted to say? Well, I was just going to say a good example of when this happens, because we all do this a little bit. It's when you find out you have company coming over in 20 minutes, Uh, you get more cleaning done in those next 20 minutes because you're 100% focus, right? The fact that your parents are coming over or whatever, suddenly you're like, oh my gosh, I got it. You know, you're getting a whole lot done. And basically what you're saying, Susie, is apply that focus to every aspect of your life and you'll just be a more productive person. Is that, is that kind of a good summary? Yeah, absolutely. Here's the thing. We can find joy in almost everything that we do, but what we don't find joy is, is being distracted and, and, you know, not finishing things and always feeling like we never get stuff done. This is frustrating, I think, for everybody is this idea that not to get stuff done. So instead of letting all these little things infect your time, park them out, say, I'm going to get this done. And then you're like, okay, I got that done. It's sort of like when you clean the bathroom, like you're like, I got that done. The bathroom's clean, moving on. Right. And so, yes, I focus in. So like for Christmas, I would stop. I would spend four days with my family. I don't even look at my computer. And then when they're gone, I'm back to spending time with, you know, with my, my work. So it, I feel like it, for one, it helps you to enjoy the moment and enjoy your people. And it also helps you um, get, you know, see accomplishments. There's such a reward in seeing things finished, you know, and that in itself can be a motivator. So you finish things, you, you enjoy your time and then you, and you're not distracted and you can really concentrate on getting your best work to the moment. Okay, studies have shown that putting away your cell phone or focusing on a task, getting it done, and then moving on, all those things are really good. But we have all these distractions with social media and you know YouTube and TV and instant access to shows that we never had instant access to before. Susie, how do you discipline yourself to put the phone away? How do you discipline yourself to shut the lap- laptop for four days? Well, for one, I tell myself that Nobody's going to die if they don't hear from me in four days. Okay, so, so not the world's not going to fall apart. And if I don't answer my phone, 
then it's going to be fine. So I do, I do use that cute little do not disturb function on my phone. Everybody's got one. And I have my favorite. So if my family calls, they can get through to me. But otherwise, when I'm writing, I'm do not, it's on do not disturb. If I'm uh, you know, in my office and it's a free-for-all, then I'll take it off for that. Um, so that really helps a lot. As far as for television, social media, I have a time of the day that I allow myself time to watch television or watch or to go to social media. I have, you know, sort of an allotted posting time or whatever. And then I'm done with it. I turn off my notifications. I don't, I don't, it doesn't distract me. And I think that's a big piece is just saying, no, I'm not going to be distracted. The world isn't going to fall apart if I don't do my social media right now if I don't you know hear it from anything if the world is falling apart my husband will call me and he can get through so so that's so that's a big piece and then sometimes if it, it gets bad what I do is I'll just put on an autoresponder on my email that says I'm sorry I'm away from my computer for four days I'll get back to you in four days as long as people know what's happening yeah. they don't get upset you know so and I think that's a, a big piece we all understand the need to break away so informing people and and then making those small actions to protect your time, I think, is, is really key. The fact is, is that nobody, your time is yours. It belongs to you. And you can let people into it as you see fit. And yes, to some extent, you owe your time to your husband and your family, but even they can respect your time. And when you take that time for yourself, not only in your career, but for your own um, personal restoration time, the work you get done afterward is so much better than if you had kept going and pushing through that exhaustion phase. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and that really goes to um, the other piece for me. Um, you talked about managing my time. The other piece is that I really try to follow what I call my joy, the things that I love to do. So it's not that I don't do things I don't love to do. I still do clean my bathroom. I don't love to do that. But, you know, I do, but I have joy in having a clean house. And so what I'm getting at is that I, when I'm doing my time management, I'm doing the things that, that I know I'm good at. And I'm looking at my time and saying, am I spending time doing stuff I'm not good at? Could I give that to someone else to do? instead of me doing it. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, if I do have to do it, then I just hunker down and say, I've got to do it. Right. But otherwise, you know, I think that if, when we are operating in our joy, then also we enter into our time block going, Oh, good. I get to do this now. And then I get to do this now. I mean, there's, I have to say, I'm really blessed. There's not a day that I get up that I go, Oh boy, not, not looking forward to today. Even if it's cleaning my house for Christmas, I'm like, yay, I'm cleaning my house for Christmas. I get to make it smell good, you know, and whatever, because I can, I can move into that going, okay, I made allotment for it and, and I do enjoy it. So, so anyway, just looking at that, looking at your life and saying, what brings me joy? How can I start doing those things that bring me joy and maybe part, you know, give away some of the things that don't. That might tie into my next question, and I know this question could be a whole episode on itself, but the way you approach goals is fairly innovative. I like the way you do it. So talk to us briefly about how you're setting goals for 2019 and how you would counsel other people to set goals that in a way they might not have done before. Sure. Well, I think that my goal setting um, has morphed over the years from saying, this is what I want to accomplish because I think that's a good idea, to what opportunities are in front of me? What do I love to do? 
and how do the and and how do those merge you know and, and what have i been excess, successful in the past with so and how do those merge so what i do and i know this is sounds sort of anal but i take a chart and i write down all the things that worked for me last year like or all the things that i did for example all the books i i uh all the books I wrote and all the marketing I did and all the products I created and even even things like Bible studies that I did or um, events at church that I participated in or, or, you know, writing retreats or things like that. And I'll write it all down and then I give it a value number and I have like many different categories. And so one of the values is how much joy did it bring me? Uh, one of the values is how much time did it cost me? Um, one was how easy was it? And then the other one was how much financial reward. And so, and, and the time that it cost me was more like how, how difficult was it for me to, well, no, that was in the easy part. So the time is like, yes, how much time did it cost me if it was, um, it was easy to accomplish in time wise or not. And I give each one of those, those a value, right? And the higher numbers obviously have a higher value. So, so if it doesn't take me a lot of time, that's, good. So I guess it, the category is how much time did it save rather. And so, so then what I do is I add those together and I give myself an average. And so for example, let's say one of my things was writing vi vacation Bible study curriculum. There was maybe there's 10 joy, but there's, you know, maybe five in the time scale and the ease was maybe, you know, four or something because it was a little bit harder. And, but I got one financially, right? Right. No revenue from that. Yeah. Right. So that number is what a 19, right? And then I divide it by four. So it's probably a 4.2, something like that. But let's say that the other one was writing a 90,000 word book, right? Well, let's say that it's, you know, it has, uh, you know, it gave me a, a seven joy. Maybe it gave me two in terms of ease of time, right? Because it was, took so long to write, right? Wow. Maybe it had, you know, uh, and then maybe easy, it was probably, uh, you know, like, a, uh, a two because it was hard right and then you've got and then you've got but maybe it's a six or seven financially right so now you've got sure. seven six thirteen plus four is uh 17 right so now that average actually is more like 3.8 and I'm, I'm really bad at math so i'm just totally winging it here but but the idea is is that you can then get your all your activities on a grid and you can start to see which ones rose to the top Right. So if I'm looking at my time over the course of the year, I'm going to want to sprinkle out some of my things with, well, I brought, got a lot of joy from writing BBS curriculum, but I didn't get paid much. So I've got to eat too. So let's look over here and see what brought me the most money for my joy. And I want to spend time, you know, doing stuff. I, I want to make money doing stuff I want or love. Right. So, so then I look at those things and I start to put together a, a, a future, a vision for the future that includes things that bring me joy and things that bring me money, right? And I'm able to kind of put it all together. And I think that getting an understanding of, yes, you're going to be doing some things with your life that don't bring you as much joy, but make a lot of money. And that's good to do because when you have financial freedom, you can do more things that bring you joy, right? And so that's, you have to balance that out, but also knowing, okay, if I'm right, so instead of maybe writing, spending, you know, all my time writing four BBS curriculums, maybe I write one and maybe I write two novels and, and say, okay, even though that brings me a little less joy, I can still find plenty of joy in that rather than, I don't know, 
you know, shoveling snow for a dollar an hour or something. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, (laughs) (laughs) sort of of feels like out there. But anyway, so, (laughs) so just, you know, I think, so that's my system is, is, it's an objective way to look at a subjective um, issue. Right. Which is joy. Well, that's what I love about it is you're taking all the emotion out of it and you can see it there on a chart and go, okay, this is what makes sense. And I have a little of this and I have a little of this, but rather than thinking about those things one at a time, when you put that chart together, you can see, see them all at a glance and just make a really informed decision. Right. And, and opportunity comes in there too, when we start to look at, well, what emerging things are on my horizon and what I can do then is I can also project, okay, how much joy do I think this will bring me? How much money do I think it'll bring me? How much, how much time will it cost me? You know, what will, how much, how easy will it be? You know, and I could put all of those together and, and so can, I can project. And so if I'm wanting to look at the future and say, what, what should I invest my time in this year? I can use that same grid to kind of figure out, well, would this be a worthwhile investment or not? And it's helped me make some really good decisions about uh, businesses I should move into or not move into, projects I should acquire, you know, things like that. So it's been really a good way for me to project out what's going to fit into my life for the future. Now, before we let you go, I have to ask you about this planner you've created because you've taken all these things that you've learned over the years and you've battle tested them, right? <laughs> I've seen them work for you over the years. And so you decided to put them together. You're selling this planner for people. And I, two questions. Why did you do that with, with everything else going on in your life? And number two, how do people buy this? Because this is perfect time for people to buy this planner. Oh, thanks for asking. Um, so- well, yes. So I've been doing this system for many, many years and I have refined it and refined it. And every year what happened is that I, so about five years ago, I realized I was lugging around in my, my stuff. I was writing down a journal was for story ideas, a, a sort of a prayer book where I would keep my prayers and my inspirational thoughts, uh, a, a business planner where I had all of my business goals and everything. And then sort of a, and, a, and then a personal planner that had like what I was eating every day and water and all these little, you know, exercise, all these things that you have to do for your personal life. And I realized I have these five books here and they're just like these cumbersome books. And I thought, wouldn't it be nice if they were all together? So basically I sat down and I created a, a planner for myself that had sections for time blocking, that had sections for your, my different areas of my life that I needed to create, you know, goals around marketing, writing, personal life projects, things like that. I had a place for, for dinner plans. It had a place for, you know, like your daily things with water. It had a place for your habit tracking. It, and, and then it had this really cool thing in the front that it was uh, that brought me through just what I was talking about previously, a goal setting sort of plan for the new year. And I had a, you know, I sort of did that every year. I'd go away and I'd spend a few days working on that. And so, so this planner that I developed had, you know, your goal setting section, it had a place for, you know, and, that, and thinking through all that. And then it had a place for all of the goals that you were creating for the the next year. And then it had individual months where it had each one uh, put together. And then in the back, it had story crafting notes and, and ways for me to actually implement what kind of stories I was going to write. And so I put it all together and then I started showing it to friends of mine and they're like, oh, we want one of these. And so I was kind of sharing it with them. And and then they said, oh yeah, well, could we, could you should create one. So I, I did one, I created a planner and uh, it was, and it has all my tricks in it. It comes with a course that teaches you how to use it and teaches you all the tricks that I have that I've used to, to 
make all this happen. And yeah, and now it's, and it's pretty. And cause that is a thing <laughs> you gotta, for me, it has to be pretty. <laughs> it's gotta look good. And it's, and it's hard cover and spiral bound. And it's our second year. And this second year, we just did a super upgrade with it. The first year was kind of a test. And then the second year we just brought it to new heights. And so we're very, very excited about it. And uh, we really feel like we've gotten great feedback from it. The first one we got great feedback from, but this one people have just been crazy about it's been really fun to see and it's called my brilliant writing planner 2019 so it's specific for 2019 it is it's it's dated and it, it is and it's big uh it's it's hardcover it's big but we figure your life is big too so you might as well have everything in one place and keep track of it i like it well Susie, thank you so much for coming back on the show and sharing those things with us as we kick off as we step into 2019 yeah thanks for having me guys this has been great all right. Our featured patron uh, for today is 95 Tweets uh, Celebrating Martin Luther in the 21st Century by Peter DeHaan. Celebrate the Protestant Reformation with Martin Luther's 95 Concerns Updated as Tweets for a Modern Audience. And our sponsor is the five-year plan for becoming a best-selling author. And uh, again, that th this is your last chance to get it before the price goes up. The price is going to go up 48 hours after this episode releases. We've gotten some great feedback uh, from people going through this course. And uh, if you're going through this course already, uh, congratulations on grabbing the deal before the price goes up. Jim, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Uh, yes. At this moment in time, my biggest New Year's, New Year's resolution is to get my New Year's resolutions done. So that's going to be, the, <laughs> that's, that's the project of the moment, but it is only what December 19th as we record this. So I have a little bit of time. That's right. We're batching these ahead of time so we can take a Christmas break. I will say my New Year's resolution is to not start any new podcasts. <laughs> I realize that I personally have five podcasts that I do myself. I have Novel Marketing, this show. I have The Creative Funding Show. I have Liberty Buzzard. I have a special podcast just of my guest interviews because I do so many guest interviews on other people's podcasts uh, that I have a podcast just of those episodes. And then, of course, The Christian publishing show. Uh, so I need to, I think I need to put in some of Susie's advice uh, in to, about focusing, about time boxing. I think I, maybe I need her planner. Yeah, yeah indeed. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'll have a doing um, New Year's resolution, but that is my stop doing New Year's resolution uh, so far. I like it. That'll work. All right. Well, feel free to let us know what your New Year's resolutions are in the comments uh, for this episode or on the Facebook group. Uh, we've had a lot of people joining the Facebook group uh, recently and really fun discussion underneath each episode. It, it really is a lot of fun to discuss these with you. And we do want to know what you think of this episode. Uh, and you can find all of that at novelmarketing.com forward slash 170. As always, you have been listening to James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstead Jr. and special guest Susan May Warren on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.